Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Passionate, patriotic, a little bit pugilistic, and always professional. Hear what Roy Green has to say on the Chorus Radio Network. It's almost inevitable that uh, emails that begin with, I'm not a liberal supporter, turn into emails about being a liberal supporter. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Twitter is at the Roy Green Show. If you want to support the liberals on the pipeline issue, 1-800-263-2428. I'm not playing the game where I'll read your tweets or your emails on the air while we're doing the segment. That's what the phone lines are for. 800-263-2428. I was reading a tweet from uh, Vivian Krauss earlier today. At Fair Questions is her Twitter account. Activists were paid to stop Energy East as part of a massive U.S.-funded campaign, 30 million via tides, to landlock our crude. Vivian, Vivian Krauss has written some fascinating columns for the Financial Post and the National Post about organizations in the United States funding the anti-pipeline activities and activists in Canada. She's been challenged on those as well. Vivian, thank you for the time. Uh, The last time you were challenged before the press council, everything turned out all right for you, didn't it? Yes, it did. Thank you for taking the time. My pleasure to speak with you, Roy. By the way. Yeah. So so go go ahead and tell us what's going on. Where's the money coming from? And where's it being distributed in Canada? Well, thanks for the opportunity, Roy. So uh, going back now more than 10 years, uh, there's a group of American charitable foundations that have been funding a campaign <clears throat> uh, against the Alberta oil industry, in a, in specifically to restrict it, to stop it from developing. When I first stumbled across this, I was actually doing research on a completely different topic. And I just happened to notice over and over these payments for a thing called a tar sands campaign. At first, though, we didn't know what it was all about. This was back in 2010, seven years ago when I first stumbled across this. But now it's clear what the strategy is. In fact, I just uh, tweeted you a link to a web page your listeners can read for themselves. The uh, people who've been running this campaign, Corporate Ethics International, with funding from the Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the Hewlett Foundation, They say, and I quote, from the very beginning, the campaign was to landlock the tar sands so their crude could not reach the international market or it could fetch a high price per barrel. This meant national and grassroots organizing to block all proposed pipelines. And they go on then to talk about how they take credit even for having helped to defeat the Conservative Party of Canada in the 2015 federal election, playing a role in the Alberta provincial election, and so on. So does this have to do with this this campaign? Does it have to do with environmental causes, or does it have to do with financial causes? Well, that's really a question that I'd love to ha- have you pose to the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. Why did they start this campaign? Uh, and, and why is it that the only country uh, where they are trying to keep oil in the ground is Canada? You know, they, it, what's happened over the last 10 years is, is oil production with shale in the United States has boomed. You know, production in, in Texas has doubled and tripled 
In North Dakota, it's up sevenfold. There is no million-dollar effort whatsoever to slow down oil production in Texas. In fact, the United States has lifted the export ban, and the United States is now exporting oil to more than 20 countries around the world. There's no effort on the part of, of activism to stop the export of American oil. So why is it that Canada is the only country that activism is, you know, as I see it now, the question we need to ask ourselves is, is this activism? Are these guys acting as honest brokers? Or is this essentially a form of uh, what you might call economic sabotage? Why is it that Canadian oil is the only oil in the world that is being kept out of overseas markets? And why are we letting this happen? Is there a paper trail, Vivian, to, uh, to where this money is all coming from? Absolutely. All these payments are written down in the tax returns that are submitted to the International, Re- uh, me, the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, from the charitable foundations. All the research that I've done, and I've traced more than 400 payments from one intermediary funder alone. It's called the Tides Foundation. There's another one. It's called the New Venture Fund, based in Washington, D.C., They've made more than 100 payments. So there you go, more than 500 times that someone in the U.S., either in San Francisco or in Washington, D.C., wrote a check or a wire transfer to an activist group, First Nations groups, environmental groups, more than 100 in total that are campaigning to landlock our oil. You know, when it, the, the, the thing about it... Uh, you know, Roy, is that if everything that these activists say is true, frankly, it wouldn't matter um, where they're getting the money from. If, if activists are telling the truth about our oil and, and what they say about the environmental impacts of the development of the oil sense, if it's true, then they have a right to say it. The trouble with the campaign, though, is that they've grossly exaggerated the actual carbon emissions coming from oil that's produced in Alberta. For instance, they say that carbon emissions associated with crude from the oil sands is three to four times higher than that of conventional oil. That's just not true. That would be 300 or 400 percent higher. The truth is it's only 10 to 20 percent higher. So, yeah, it's a little bit higher, but only slightly, not three or four fold. And that's the problem. It's that because of this exaggeration and because the industry has failed to uh, counteract that and get the truth out there, that we're now in a position where essentially there is a trade barrier. But that trade barrier isn't a wall. It's not a law. It's fear. It's uncertainty. It's doubt. It's what's been created in the perceptions and the minds of people and the way that uh, public opinion has been turned away from Canadian oil and natural gas to some extent based on premises that are, for the most part, false. And we have a prime minister who's playing ball. I'll never forget when Mr. Trudeau was in Washington at the invitation of Mr. Obama, and he appeared before the uh, the, the activist uh, left-wing organization that was headed by John Podesta, who was the campaign chairman for Hillary Clinton. And Mr. Trudeau sat in a Q&A seg- session with this group of internationalists, of globalists, and he said nothing to defend the Canadian oil industry. He said nothing about the oil industry being in difficulty other than saying, yeah, there's some, it costs some jobs in Alberta. That's as far as he went. There was nothing from our prime minister to defend or to propose or to, uh, or to promote the oil industry from this country. Not a word. And he was in Washington, D.C. 
at the time. That spoke volumes to me. Yeah. Well, you know, put yourself for a second in the, in the shoes or the, in the position of, of our prime minister. He has a very, very difficult choice because he can either continue the U.S. monopoly on our oil or he can break that monopoly. He cannot do both. You know, it's, it, it, it's to use a silly analogy, but it's like um, it's one of those things that you just can't sort of break it. You know, there's there's no way to please both parties. Mm. Well, the, the, his job is to his job is to please Canadians, ultimately exactly. to take care of the people of this country and to please the people of, of Canada and uh, and not worry about what the international community thinks so much. By the way, I'm glad you said put myself in his shoes and not in his socks. Well, whatever. Joke, We've got joke. more important things to talk about we than do. the Prime Minister's we do. socks. We do. Vivian, I have, to, I have to take some calls, but I thank you so much for coming on the program, and I will invite you back. My pleasure. Thanks. Vivian Krauss. And uh, you will find her columns in the National Post and in the Financial Post. And they're a fascinating read. The one I just read uh, recently was The Cash Pipeline Opposing Canadian Oil Pipelines. 800-263-2428 is my number, 800-263-2428. Brian Jean, when he was on this program yesterday, said what happened with, the, with Energy East and what's happening with pipelines could prove to be a threat to Confederation. He also said that if he's elected Premier of the province of Alberta, he will do everything he possibly can to stop transfer payments to the province of Quebec, even if that means going to the Supreme Court of Canada. And if that were to happen, you know we'd already have a, con- a constitutional crisis underway. I think right now we have a crisis of trust and a crisis of emotion. 800-263-2428. Lines are very busy. Back with your calls right after this. Taking on the Titans. Standing up for the little guy. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Another uh, quote from the open letter from the Premier of Saskatchewan, Brad Wall. The decision by TransCanada to cancel the Energy East project was made because of a lack of interest and leadership, or worse, intentional decisions and policies of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his government. He should answer for this. He needs to be held accountable for this. His actions and his government's actions may well have some Westerners wondering if this country really values Western Canada, the resources we have, and the things we do to contribute to the national economy and the quality of life for all. Let's go back to your calls. 800-263-2428 is the number. 800-263-2428. Could this, this being what's happening with pipelines, and I don't have much faith anymore in anything that's been said? Uh, this is the Missouri attitude now. Show me. I, 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 need, to be, I need to be shown. But d- could what's happening be leading to enough of a frustration, particularly in Western Canada, that the future of Canada would at least be debated. Rob's in Toronto. Hey, Rob, thank you for the call, sir. Yeah, hi, Roy. Uh, I think uh, Brian Jean has a good point uh, because Justin Trudeau is throwing away 
uh, what's probably the, the, the biggest economic opportunity this country has ever seen, and it, it's something that would affect uh, the entire country uh, coast to coast. I think I think there's a good chance that uh, this will be the one issue that could cause Trudeau to lose the, the next election, and I think this will cause more widespread anger than his father's uh, national energy program ever did. In the early 80s. Uh, Lorna in Edmonton on the Roy Green Show. Hi, Lorna, go ahead. Hi, Roy. It was your show that brought that first comment when he said Canada would be the first post-failed nation state. That's a very odd comment for a prime minister. He he said Canada would be the first post-nation state. Yeah. What what would that mean? And not to a Canadian media organization, but to the New York Times six days after taking office. Exactly. So when you said you don't know what Trudeau is thinking, I, I propose he's following orders because... No, I said I didn't know if he was thinking. Yeah, and for me, I'm with that comment, that was when I first heard that, I was alarmed. And then now when I'm seeing what he's doing, I'm wondering if he's just following orders because the people that are benefiting from this, um, there was once an evaluation done on Alberta's oil not reaching market uh, world oil prices, and they said, who benefits by that? It was an economic uh, analysis, and they said the refineries in the states. So perhaps this is my personal uh, request as a citizen, a tax-paying citizen. I would like to see if there's been any transfers of huge sums of money to the Trudeau Foundation. I think he's betraying our country. Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think you. Well, I don't think you can go there with. I. D- you can I go anywhere you want. I guess you can think whatever you want, ask questions, uh, and demand answers. That's your right. He's a public servant. He has the top public servant's job in the country. You're in, you're entitled to ask whatever questions you want answered. And Mr. Trudeau's opened himself to a lot of questions. I've been trying to think of a way to get the term "poo poo." into the same sentence with Denny Coderre. I'm just not doing real well. Walter is in Lamont, Alberta. Walter, thank you for the call. Please go ahead, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm 88 years old, so I'm going to ask you, please, uh, um, to uh, speak into the phone and uh, speak loudly. I've been in the oil industry since the 50s and up until the 90s. And in the uh, 1967 to 70-some-odd, I was operations coordinator for Montreal and Halifax Refinery when uh, the um, international cartel, Venezuelan and Saudi Arabian and all the others out there, started raising the price of crude, which Western Canadian crude was 250 a barrel, and so was their crude, and they raised it up to $5, and they raised it up to 750 and the people in Montreal and Halifax were screaming to have the price of crude the same as it is in all of Canada, which is two fifty a barrel. And it took no time at all for Premier Pierre Trudeau to uh, approve a pipeline extension from the Western Canadian pipeline from um, uh, Edmonton to Sarnia to extend it into Montreal so they could benefit from this two dollar and fifty cent in oil. So enough people, enough enough people. Walter, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Enough people spoke to Mr. Trudeau Senior, and he heard Canada's uh, Lake Simcoe, Ontario. Ken, thank you for the call. Yes, uh, nice. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, Mr. sir. Green. Mr. Crouch certainly had a, a, a mouthful there. 
um, I've got the uh, the answer to it all. You've got Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. We've got those wrecked grain satch, uh, stacks up at uh, Churchill, Manitoba. We'll run the pipeline up there, take the ships through Hudson's Bay, the Hudson Strait out into the Atlantic, and go sell it where we want. All right, so that's the solution. I suppose there's, well, oh, we'll talk about that. Eric in Calgary, go ahead, Eric. Hello, hi, how are you today? Good, sir, how are you doing? Good. Uh, listen, I listened to your show yesterday, and Brian Jean was on, and boy, I love to hear what he said. It was awesome. It was, uh, I've been watching him fairly closely here for the last six, eight months when they talk about the United Conservative Party, etc. But to me, he's been very, very quiet. Yesterday was the first time I heard him come out, and I hope somebody, he's listening or somebody who's sitting on his shoulders listening, is to say he represented, I think, what we need for Alberta. And he was passionate, he was honest, he was coming from the heart here. Do you think, sir, here's my question. I don't want you to turn it into a... It was, you know, two-minute commercial for Brian Jean. I understand the support. Do you okay. do you believe that there's enough emotional reaction in Western Canada to what has happened with Energy East and what's happened with the pipeline argument that it would raise the issue of confederation? And Mr. Jean told us yesterday on the program that this is a threat to confederation. Oh, I certainly. You know, they took a poll on Friday, and it's the highest for separation you've seen in Alberta. Like, in what do you think? What do you think? Well, oh. I'm I'm with him exactly. Well, I guess the, to me it's two step, and exactly what he said: challenge the thing in the Supreme Court uh, around the balance of payments, etc. Like when was the last time Quebec actually contributed to the balance? Now, what do you? How do you feel, Eric? Oh, I'd say separate. And, okay, and, that's what I want to hear. Not that, no, I don't want to necessarily hear separate, but I want to hear how you feel. And the question was. Or disputes over the building of new pipelines to del- deliver Alberta oil and Saskatchewan oil sands to international oil to international markets, highlighting the splits which exist in Canada and endangering this country's future. That's the question. So we're going to come back to this in hour three with another issue, because what I've decided is there are two issues specifically that I've had a tremendous amount of response to. And I want to speak to you about those issues. We won't have any guests. We'll just take this one issue and one other, and we'll turn it into a one-hour call-in segment on those issues because the response on social media has been nonstop. The response on email has been nonstop. Come back in a minute and tell you about the next hour.